1: I'm Brena Garen, and you're listening to Hex Positive. Welcome, witches! This is episode 8 of Hex Positive. I'm your host, Brenda Garin, and it is finally the month of Halloween. Although, if you're anything like me, you had your monster motor running and back in, like, ugh, August or September. Either way, I'm so freaking ready. As promised, I've got a ton of spooky goodness for you this month. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast app and follow the show on Twitter at @hex_podcast hex so you don't miss those updates. And if you're a member of the Patreon, you can expect even more ghoulish goodies as we run up to this year's full moon Halloween night. So... It's once again that wondrous time of year when we dust off the good candles, prepare our favorite treats, and finally get to rock all the witchy garb we get stared at for wearing any other time of year. Not that that stops most of us, but I shall wear my best hat. And, of course, it's time to drink cider and talk about spirits or as they might say on The Poisoner's Cabinet, it's time to drink spirits and talk about cider. Either way. But I am not venturing into the dark woods alone. I have a very special guest with me for this episode. She's well known on the Tumblr sphere for her knowledge of the paranormal and her propensity for busting myths associated with ghosts and the spirit world, particularly a certain party game we all know and love, and love to hate, all the way from the West Coast, we have Jen, otherwise known as the Ouija Girl. Welcome, Jen. Hi, Brie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am super excited to have you on the show. This is going to be amazing. So I've been following your blog for a good bit now. You always seem to be so spot on with your answers to questions about ghosts and spirit. Your knowledge base is really incredible.
0: Oh, thank you so much.
1: Yeah, I tend to be kind of blunt in my answers, which
0: people come off as like either rude or unappreciative, but that's just like how I am. Like I'm just a person that like this is how it is. And like I I can't make it any fancier than that. This is just how this works. And with spirit work, there's um there's kind of wiggle room in how things work, but it's pretty straightforward. So, you know, yeah. It's yeah. it's very simple to explain and You know, it's just uh, very hard for people to wrap their minds around because there's a lot of myths and misconceptions around it. But I found that once people like
1: really listen and apply that knowledge, they're like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. Absolutely, and I really appreciate your forthrightness. It's it's kind of uh, refreshing to see sometimes. Uh, before we get into those aforementioned uh, myths you were talking about, uh, for those who don't know, uh, why don't you tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself and your practices? Sure. So I grew up in a Wiccan home. My
0: mom was a practicing priestess and raised me in that until I was um, like around 1920. Uh, when she passed and I kind of started exploring my own like spirituality and discovered Druidry and has been following that path ever since. Totally love it. But I've always been very, very sensitive to spirits and I'd always see them to some extent when I was younger. I would just kind of see these like blobs moving around and I just kind of figured that everyone could see it and just like wasn't talking about it until I was 12 and my sister asked for a Ouija board for Yule and we got it and we started playing it right away and it was almost like overnight I would start like seeing these forms a lot clearer and start hearing them speak and slowly but surely it became more of seeing actual spirits and being able to see like their faces and what they look like and hear them you know like delivering messages so at first as as a teenager I was like this is so cool and like dove headfirst into it thinking like wow I have superpowers and that really backfired because it's not glamorous at all it's actually like troubling to some aspect it's a little disturbing it's a little creepy it's a little (laughs) much so I definitely like bounced out of that in my later teens like just trying to avoid it altogether and it took a long time to really like process and think about it and start coming back more toward my spirit practice and um It definitely happened just one day, I'm on Tumblr just browsing and I see the Ouija board rules post and I'm reading through this like, this is ridiculous. Like absolutely everything about this is wrong in every aspect. So I just replied to it on my regular blog and then thought about it and thought I could write like lots of blog posts about this. So I asked my friends like, is this something I should do? Like, should I just make a whole blog about it? And they're like, yeah, yeah, totally. And it was, you know, right around the time I was starting to lean in more toward my spirit practice. So it was just hand in hand. And um, I started it around like the summertime of 2014. So it was really slow. But then once autumn and Halloween came, my blog just like exploded and took off. And I got every kind of ask under the sun. But... um Heard lots of stories, heard lots of experiences. I learned stuff about spirits and ouija boards just from hearing other people's experiences because I'd only ever had mine to base it off of. And yeah, it's been quite a ride ever since.
1: Gosh, it sounds like it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we we actually have a bit of a shared experience there with uh, with starting to see and experience things heavily in our teens. And I also made the mistake of being like, yeah, I can just Jennifer Love Hugh at this. I I can help oh, things totally. that come my way. No, yeah. <laughs> no. No, no, no. no Honey, it does no. not work that way, no. Oh, you silly witch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Well, today's show is definitely going to be right up your alley. We are going to explore, like we said, some of those modern myths and lore associated with ghosts and spirits. And as you've seen from answering things on your Tumblr, there are so many, so many and Mm -hmm. so much misinformation and just so much that comes from sort of modern urban legends and modern folklore in a way. Uh, So we're going to try and shed some light on where these ideas come from, maybe bust a few myths and and provide a little bit of clarity. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. So let's start right in your wheelhouse. What can you tell me about Ouija
0: boards? So Ouija boards were invented in 1890. Um, There had been many other versions of spirit communication before that, dating back... You know, some people say thousands of years to ancient China, some people say just a few hundred years, but um, it really was the idea of let's try to simplify spirit communication as much as possible. And Ouija boards were the as- result of that. Um, just um, the planchette was invented around the 1820s. There are hundreds of different kinds of planchettes. So the Ouija board was more of a tool for the planchette to make it easier for to spell out things um and then ouija boards obviously because at that time spirit communication was all the rage it was like the hot trend to do and mediums and psychics and all of that were also very much like in the popular sphere of not something negative or dark or spooky but just something fun and interesting Um, But most people were very much faking. I mean, probably like 99% of these like psychics and mediums were absolutely faking. And we know now all of their weird little table tapping and table tipping tricks. But um, they were the first ones to really sound the alarm against Ouija boards and started the myth of you don't know what you're doing. You need to understand the rules before you communicate with spirits. And they said that because they didn't want to lose their business. You know, if anyone can just buy a Ouija board and talk to spirits at home nobody's going to want to pay them to talk to spirits so that's exactly. literally quick, where that quick, let's make up from. some rules oh yeah totally and let's, the let's make up Ouija some rules it sound scary
1: yeah. yeah let's make up something that sounds really scary yeah totally the original <laughs> rules of the Ouija board was that it
0: had to be two people and it had to be a man and a woman and they had to put the Ouija board in their lap And then just ask questions. Like, that was basically the original Ouija board rules that came with the original board. And it, like, obviously having it be a man and a woman or having it in your lap has nothing to do with how the board works. It was just to make it more fun and more exciting because, you know, like a man and a woman touching knees, like, that's hot. You know, that was like super raunchy back then, just like, you know, leaning really close together and talking about. You know, dead people and stuff—that was like considered like super scandalous and racy and a fun party game or a good way to hit on a girl. You know, oh so my. <laughs> that's when the church kind of got involved because now all of their young teens are doing this new trend, and, and you know, touching knees. What's next? You know, holding hands. You know, like it was just like too scandalous. So the the original. Ouija boards are bad coming from the church was because they it was too sexy like it was just like too hot to handle and they didn't want young people or unmarried people playing this game and you know it leading to one thing or another. It wasn't really so much the spiritual aspect, although in some preachers that was a thing because in some circles any kind of spirit communication is demonic and evil. Point blank period, no matter what. But for the most part, it was just because they didn't want teenagers sitting close together with their knees touching, basically.
1: True. Plus, there are, like you said, there's a lot of uh, churches and like church-adjacent, I guess, institutions that see any form of uh, spiritualism or spirit communication or sometimes even just telling ghost stories as sort of like this gateway drug to the occult. And... In all fairness, it kind of is, but, you know, that that doesn't necessarily make it a bad thing, because sometimes people just like to explore spooky stuff. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, from what I know, uh, we don't actually see an actual association, like a direct association in the public mind uh, between Ouija boards and actual demons and demonic possessions until the release of The Exorcist in 1983. Uh, Is there anything you could speak to on that? Uh, 1973, sorry. Yeah, Uh, 1973. Is there anything you can speak to on that? Sure. So
0: apparently The Exorcist was based on a true story, which involved a young boy who lived with his aunt who liked to dabble in like witchcraft and spooky things like that. And she had a Ouija board. And the original story is that we don't know whether or not he actually did play, but he was definitely exposed to that kind of thing as a child and then got possessed by demons. And these exorcists had to come and he was hospitalized in this hospital in Missouri and you know, had this whole ordeal. And even one of my psychology professors when he was in university was researching this event and interviewed one of the priests involved in this exorcism. And he told some outlandish stories about how this boy was making like lamps hover and fly across the room and things like that. Um, the, the only thing about this story is that there's literally no proof of this happening other than the words Of these few exorcists there is no record of any boy being in this hospital at all Um, there's there's no name he's listed as Roland Doe in most stories or some form of like R. Doe so we don't even know his actual name we don't um, have any literal proof of the story even being true apparently there is a diary that one of the priests kept that has mysteriously disappeared and we don't know where it went. But that was like the only like hardcore
1: proof that this was real. Um, so it's, it's literally mysteriously, just, uh, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, does mysteriously also mean conveniently? Yes. It, that's exactly <laughs> what it means. It's Oh, I wrote it all down. I documented
0: it all. I just, it just vanished one day. I don't know where it went. Oh,
1: it was the demons.
0: Oh, absolutely. It was the demons. So <laughs> that story kind of took off. Um spooky haunted stories were kind of popular once again during that time in the 60s and 70s Um, and this story was published as a book The Exorcist which then was optioned as the movie and you know the book made quote-unquote changes to the story then the movie made quote-unquote changes to the story like they changed the setting they changed the gender of the child they changed pretty much everything about the original story you know so even then it was a false story on top of a false story on top of a false story. And the big thing about the movie is that you actually see this girl playing the Ouija board at the beginning of the movie. So mm-hmm. it, it very heavily implies that this is the reason she got possessed by the demon Pazuzu, which exactly like, um, like, okay. Like it's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. It's a fantastic movie. It's just fiction. Like to say mm-hmm. that it's based on a true story is like just completely out there. Like it's, ridiculous at that aspect but the movie itself is great it's very terrifying um but it it definitely stirred the public's interest in Ouija boards and fear of Ouija boards for sure because you know this was the time of like Jaws when people saw Mm -hmm. Jaws and were too afraid to swim in a swimming pool because they were so afraid of sharks you know it's the same kind of mentality that I saw this very very scary movie about this thing it's now very very scary whether or not it's true. So that's Mm -hmm. literally like literally before this movie, there was nowhere mentioned that Ouija boards can summon demons or get you possessed by demons or even just get you possessed. Like literally before the 1970s, they were still a fun party game, particularly in the 1920s and 1950s. Norman Rockwell has a very cute little famous painting of a couple having fun playing the Ouija board. Like it was just considered like a fun pastime. It's, it's just like, a fun horror trope to take something ordinary and then make it scary like clowns or dolls or anything like that. It's the same aspect. Um, But it also probably had some monetary game behind it because Ouija board sales skyrocketed in the 70s especially around (laughs) Christmas time to become one of the most popular board games in the United States. It's still one of the top Christmas gifts in the United Mm -hmm. States, especially after the later
1: Ouija movies were released
0: in the 2010s.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, there's something also important to mention uh, with it being the 70s. Uh, The 70s and I'm, I'm saying this as a fan of horror, uh, the 70s was when uh, the horror genre just really sort of started to come into its own. Like, they were actually not just making movies that were, you know, scary or whatever. Like, it became a thing. Oh, yeah. um, you know, they had been making scary movies, like, since people first started using cameras, I think actually one of the first movies ever made was a horror movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the seventies, the genre really started to come into its own. Um, And at the same time in the seventies and uh, of course, then more prevalently in the eighties, America was smack neck deep in the middle of the satanic panic. So anything to do with, witchcraft anything to do with the occult or spirits uh was you know immediately seized upon and blown out of proportion and you know really hyped up as something that parents had to be afraid of and and protect your children from. And there was an ad campaign surrounding the release of The Exorcist that was, you know, deliberately giving these press releases of, you know, oh, you know, we were uh, having to keep ambulances on standby at uh, at the theaters because people keep fainting within the first 30 minutes of the movie. You know, we're not letting Mm -hmm. pregnant women in the door. so there there was a whole big uh mess of hype with the movie to make it seem scarier than it was and there's now this whole mythos surrounding it that the movie is cursed mm-hmm. and it's because of this demonic aspect and so because there was that that whole press storm around it and because there was you know this this big sort of public opinion controversy around it that also put the, the Ouija board in the middle of that conversation and it's been inextricably linked with demons and demon possession ever since. But it's just a party game. <laughs> yeah. Like nothing's changed about it. The, the nothing's board, changed. Nothing's you know, has changed has been purchased
0: by mm-hmm. um the board was purchased by Parker Brothers, which was then purchased by Hasbro. So it's always mm-hmm. been a board game. Literally the patent on it has it patented as like game slash amusement or something like that it's literally always been a game it's never been anything else it's never well at least it wasn't meant to be like a witchcraft tool or a demon summoning portal tool anything like that it's literally a board game like to this day it's still technically a board game that's meant for children ages eight and up you know like yeah
1: it's they make just... it in pink and purple for heaven's sake. Right. They have a glow you know? in the
0: dark, there's a stranger things board,
1: like yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, for, for all that all that being said, do Ouija boards actually work? I mean, is it something where you can like get a group of friends together and put your hands on the planchette? And does it actually work in any capacity? Yeah, absolutely. And I think If it didn't, it wouldn't still be
0: around because it's been around for a long, long, long time now. And many spirit communication devices have just gone on the wayside. This is the only one that's really stuck. And I think it's because it's the easiest to use. It's easy to make if you don't wanna buy one, you can just get a pen and paper and just create one for free. And it does work. Like if you're in the right mindset, right attitude and you just kind of have the right energy and vibes it works great and it's so much fun to play if you have the right group of friends if you have the right spirit that you're talking to it's very much like um like chat roulette or megal like any of those websites that just randomly connects you to somebody and just gives you a topic to talk about it's very much that kind of game and you can have tons of fun with it it's yeah It's always been a board game, always will be a board game. It's it's not meant to be taken
1: seriously in any aspect whatsoever. So uh, then do you recommend that people do not use it by themselves just for like, because then, you know, you're just kind of subconsciously moving the planchette yourself?
0: Um, I, I don't like to tell people that they should or should not play. It's very much up to, you know, them if they want to do it. I can only say that playing by yourself, 99% of the time, nothing will happen because it's, um, you know, the more energy that you put into it, the better it'll work. So really two or three people is ideal for it to work at the best. So, um, and then if it's your first time also, it's very highly unlikely for it to work, um, I'm not sure why that is. It's just usually when it's especially if it's a group of people for their first time, usually nothing happens. So half the time when I get an ask saying on Tumblr saying, oh, I, I tried it and nothing happened. I say, well, were you by yourself? And they go, yeah. So, Have you played before? And they go, no. And it's like, well, there you go. Like, it's not so much that it's quote unquote dangerous to play your first time. It's just that it most likely won't work. But it does definitely work for some people. And it works great for some people, which is fine. It's just everyone I've talked to that has played by themselves and has worked great say that they are exhausted after. And some people have to like go take a nap after. It's just so energy draining of an activity. That it's almost like, why would you do this by yourself if, you know, it leaves you just so tired after? And I think it also does open you up to more vulnerable or it makes you more vulnerable to certain kinds of spirits that don't have the best intentions. Because like I said, it just connects you to a random spirit who wants to play a board game. Um, Not every spirit is like jolly and happy and excited to see you some of them are pranksters some of them are just rude some of them are just mean and you being alone makes you more open to getting some spirit who wants to pick on you or trick you or scare you or something like that because you're alone you know so that being said I again don't tell people oh you shouldn't play because of this it's just here is what happens if you do play alone do with
1: that information what you will. Do you recommend that uh, that people, well, we'll say witches, but people in general mm-hmm. uh, who are going to play uh, with a Ouija board, do you recommend that they put up like protections first or like cleanse the room after? Yeah. Or is is it more like, you know, just hang up the telephone and you should be good? Uh, That's totally up to the person. If they feel more comfortable playing, if there's protection or anything like that, then
0: by all means do so. But it's not at all required. You know, most people that play Ouija boards aren't witches to any extent, you know, and they don't ever use any kind of protection or rewards or spells or anything to make them feel safe. They just go for it. You know, like I said, it's one of the most popular board games in the United States, like millions are sold every year. There aren't millions of witches buying them every year. You know, most of them are just people of any walk of life so um if it just makes you feel better because you really shouldn't play any board game if you feel uncomfortable about it um so if it just makes you feel safer and makes you feel like you'll be able to open up more then by all means feel free to set up some kind of protection but it isn't necessary whatsoever um the only quote-unquote protection i would say is just to make sure you say goodbye because like you said it's like hanging up the telephone on someone. Like if you're talking to someone having a nice time and you just stop, um, that could be considered pretty rude and you could offend a spirit. Um, If it's a situation where like you were interrupted or something like uh, happened and you had to stop immediately, like 99% of the time spirits are very understanding because they know what's going on and know why you stopped. But just saying goodbye, you know, some people think that that seals the portal or, you know, closes the the gates or whatever it's just politeness it's just you know like just be kind and courteous especially if the spirit's being kind and courteous to you that's really the only like precaution you need to take like absolutely otherwise it's whatever you feel like
1: doing that makes sense so it's it's really just it's a communication device it's not you know a doorway to hell exactly yeah it
0: never has been literally because of the exorcist as where that myth comes from like literally it's from that movie it has mm-hmm. never been any kind of like demon portal ever since then
1: well since i know that someone is going to bring it up and i'm pretty sure there's uh there's probably at least one person listening going well well what about this case we have to mention zozo oh for sure oh now i <laughs> i know that you have mentioned this before so go off <laughs> go ahead so
0: Like I said, spirits, you know, they're playing a game with you. They're also having fun. And most spirits are playing with good intentions. Some are playing with not so good intentions. And just, it's kind of like a meme that has sprung up among spirits. Like, oh, this is a really easy way to scare them and freak them out. I always say, like, imagine if you became invisible what's the first thing you would do? It's like, Oh, you'd go scare somebody. Like, it's funny to, to scare somebody, especially like if you hold the power over them. So for them, it's totally a joke. Like just start spelling out Z O Z O, just go across the board really fast and uh, scare them. And so the myth has become that that is Zozo the demon. And, um, if it spells out that, then he's like released from the board and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, lots of people are come rushing to me because they encountered the Zozo demon. What should I do? And it's just like, calm down. Like spirits are literally just laughing at you right now. We know every demon in existence like you can go on with wikipedia and type in list of demons and you can see every demon from every culture that's ever existed at the very bottom in red is zozo and if it's in red on wikipedia that means that that article doesn't exist like it's there there is no zozo demon and some people say oh that's pazuzu uh, because you know the exorcist demon was pazuzu but here's a trick If you have a spirit that likes to go back and forth, z o z o, or M-A-M-A for the mama spirit, rearrange the letters on your Ouija board and they will spell out whatever letters are on the edges because they're really just trying to zig back and forth to try to scare you with the movement or like counting down the numbers, you know. It doesn't matter what the letters are. That's just what the letters are on the edges of a Ouija board that'll spell out, you know, a pronounceable word. So it's literally nothing to be afraid of and it's blown way out of proportion there was a whole episode of ghost adventures about zozo about this family that was tormented by this demon and um they just listed facts about this fake demon that i'd never heard anywhere and um i know for sure that shows like that do make up information about their locations or the people involved in those locations so they're just literally pulling all this stuff out of thin air honestly And um, it just feels like the more that this like meme or joke gets perpetuated, the more ridiculous it gets kind of like Slender Man or any of like the Midnight Man games, things like that. The more that it exists in the public sphere, the more and more ridiculous it gets. So if you do play and you get someone, you spelling out Zozo Mama or Zama, Zaza, anything like that, just be like, hey, I know what you're doing. Ha ha. Nice joke, but can you stop? And <laughs> nine times out of ten, they'll be like, oh, okay, and continue on with the game. Sometimes they'll get frustrated because their joke didn't land, you know? But um, <laughs> they, they know what they're doing. They know that, oh, let me try to scare these people. And if it doesn't work, they either
1: move on or just feel really disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um. I was actually looking into this, uh, this whole Zozo thing because you know, I wanted to be prepared. We can trace the origin of this whole modern story to one guy, Darren Evans. It's the Mm -hmm. guy who was on, uh, who was on the show ghost adventures, uh, with the team. And, you know, they, they talk about this, uh, this case from France. I think it was, uh, back in like the, the early, early part of the, uh, late eight uh late 19th early 20th century um that was like oh this was a spirit that someone said they were possessed by um the thing is if you look up the actual case it was a proven fake possession Mm -hmm. uh the the person who said they were possessed was just mentally ill and was you know then sent for whatever proper treatment uh but they weren't possessed Mm-hmm. and the demons that they named were completely fake they were just made up for the benefit of the listener so this is a guy who is trying to perpetuate like you said basically a spirit meme based on a demon that doesn't exist and right. it's it's got everyone spooked because it was on this popular tv show and mm-hmm. it's because it and because it's you know connected to Ouija boards. So anytime I see it anywhere, I just – I roll my eyes and kind of go, oh, not this again. Exactly. Yep. Welcome to my world. Mm Mm-hmm. The the things we have to do as educators. Oh, for sure. We'll be back with more Hex Positive after this brief sponsored break. This episode is brought to you by Crow's Bone. With the world in turmoil and all of us doing our best to ride out the storm – There's never been a more important time to support small business. To that end, I'd like to introduce you to Crow's Bone. Run by the Weird Sisters, Crow's Bone is a family-owned business with 20 years of experience in the study and practice of magic. The shop's been closed for a while due to the pandemic, but they're back and better than ever. Their selection combines carefully curated wholesale goods, unique secondhand finds, and handcrafted items from their home base. Peruse their excellent selection of books, home decor, altar supplies, and so much more. Make sure you check out their seasonal subscription packages and mystery boxes, as well as their range of personalized services and readings. And now is the perfect time to do it, because the good people at Crow's Bone are offering my listeners a 15% discount on their products and services. Just use the code HEXPOSITIVE at checkout. This offer excludes subscriptions. Refresh your witchcraft supplies and help support small business while you're at it. Visit www.crowsbone.com and remember to use the code HEXPOSITIVE at checkout to get 15% off your order. Crow's Bone, To thine own self, be true. Hello. Would you like to drink cocktails and talk about poison? Or drink poison and talk about cocktails? Then welcome to The Poisoner's Cabinet, a weekly podcast mixing true crime, historic mysteries, a dash of comedy and lots of lovely libations for your listening pleasure. Join us for a drink as we tell the story of a different deadly poisoner each week. We always start by whipping up a cocktail and by the tale that we tell. Ooh, sounds delicious. Ooh, so maybe an amaretto sour for a cyanide poisoning? A Long Island iced tea for the teacup poisoner. Chicken for William Palmer? What? Nothing. Join Nick and Sinead every Friday inside The Poisonous Cabinet as we look at vicious Victorians, inheritance powders, and crimes of poisonous passion. Follow us at The Poisonous Cabinet on social media. Subscribe and share on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. And now, back to the show. <gasps> so, and speaking of uh, of memes and modern uh internet culture getting in the way of of uh, <laughs> actual uh information about uh the paranormal internet spirit games mm, yes oh yeah this this <laughs> is like your other bread and butter right here all this stuff like the mirror man the midnight man one man hide and seek mm-hmm. bloody uh, berry the original yeah, you know they're they're basically like modern urban legends or like modern chain letters there there are modern day campfire tales and Mm -hmm. it just it bugs me the most when it's like oh this is claimed. it we're claiming it's based on an ancient pagan ritual and it's like you're claiming it's based on an ancient pagan ritual but you're saying we have to have a glass mirror to do it that's only about like 300 years old. For sure. <laughs> well, they say that
0: because you can't disprove that statement. Because what if uh, it's from some ritual that you know from a culture that doesn't exist anymore, or or they just figure that people like us won't speak up about it. You know.
1: Oh but, yeah. Well, th- saying so. saying it's an ancient pagan ritual is 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 like, you know, the old oh it's an it's an old occult thing or an old demonic thing. It's it's an old it it's the new flavor text to to say that something is. You know spooky or exotic
0: you know like it's just spooky kids having fun it's middle school sleepover fun and it it is fun it's fun to scare yourselves at you know your friends sleepovers but i just feel like in the past 10 years or so it's been like no this is serious like you have to do this step by step or else and it doesn't actually say what or else means and, um, or you'll die. Yeah, like and mm-hmm. people believe it, you know, like because it, it's popped up so often, it must be true, you know. These rituals. Oh, they made
1: yeah, They the made movies. a movie about it. It must be true.
0: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like all movies are documentaries, right? All the, all those actors are real people.
1: Just like but, The Exorcist.
0: Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> It's sad because stuff like Bloody Mary you can actually prove with science and psychology. Like if you do stare at a mirror too long, you will start to see things. Just because your brain gets confused as to why it's staring at an image for so long, it'll start to, you know, twist and change. That's how you get like those magic eye puzzles and things like that. It's the same kind of phenomenon. But with Midnight Man and Woman Hide and Seek, they're just literally out of thin air. Like they're just literally made up by someone who was creative at their keyboard one night and wanted to scare their friends like there's literally no basis behind it and I do say that the very spooky ones when they come from Japan you know Japan has more of a serious aspect when it comes to spirit work just because their culture around spirits is so different and honestly so beautiful and interesting Mm -hmm. that like um, you should definitely take a, a Japanese spirit thing a little bit more seriously but like two percent more seriously not a hundred percent more seriously you know like um there there could be something to you know turning on the tv to like the static channel that doesn't exist anymore that's that drives me craziest about the midnight man is that those those poltergeist static channels at night don't exist anymore you can't do that Mm -hmm. um but um I feel like there's some slight grain of truth to things like that, but honestly, like, I I feel like what that mostly does is that the spirits in your home are seeing you trying to do these intricate, stupid rituals (laughs) and are like, oh, that's funny. Let me, like, tap on the wall or shove something to get their attention and then they're like oh my gosh it's true the midnight man is here i'm being chased by a demon things like that (laughs) um that that is like the maximum amount of spirit activity that could possibly happen for many of these things anything else especially if it's caught on video are completely
1: false to every aspect completely
0: fabricated
1: Hmm. And you know, when we're living in this modern world of like deep fakes and stuff, it's really hard to tell. Um, special effects have gotten really, really good, and it's sometimes it's really hard to tell if something shows up on the internet. You know, if the video is 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 real or fake because they can look incredibly, incredibly real. And bit. what's more is like these these sort of little video memes these things that come out are sometimes part of like hype for a horror movie i know they did that with the the paranormal activity series yeah and people and... thought that half of that was real but it wasn't yeah. charlie
0: charlie when that happened my oh blog my god also exploded you know i got around 100 messages a day honestly for about three days saying is charlie charlie real and like
1: mm-hmm. on i remember hands,
0: that on one hand, how exactly is a spirit supposed to move a pencil on demand without any kind of energy contact? Because at least with the planchette, you have to be touching it for the, the energy to circulate, you know, like a current. Like, on one hand, like, that is almost impossible. Like completely improbable. On the other hand, it's literally just people blowing on the pencils off screen and reacting like it had moved on <laughs> its own. Like it's literally all fake and it was all promo for a movie, but mm-hmm. for at least a week, people were panicking over it and saying oh, it comes from this Mexican ritual where this little child named Charlie died and if you do this, you're summoning his spirit and he's restless. And it's like, how did that even come about? Like, it just stewed on the internet so quickly that Mm -hmm. it just started to blow up. But I think people quickly realized that this was just a stunt for a movie and has no kind of paranormal anything to it. It's literally just a stunt. It's advertising for the movie. Yep. It was good
1: advertising, though, uh, as as I understand it. uh, It did pretty well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, with all of this stuff, you know, half the time... Not even half the time, like, almost all the time, I'd say. Uh, you know, we we have, like, Reddit to thank for this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of these spirit games are no more real than the majority of the creepypastas that are out there. Very sure, scary. it's really scary. Sure, it's really, like, fun to think about. Sure, it'll keep you awake. And, you know, it's, you know, spooky-ooky to think about and everything. But, you know, it's... It doesn't mean it's real.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm very proud to say that I was present on somethingawful.com, which is a message board where people were just sharing, like, Photoshop's and jokes. And there is a weekly Photoshop Friday with a like category and the category that week was create an urban myth that is so realistic that if we put it on the internet people believe it and that was how slender man happened like i voted on slender man to win just because it was such a good photoshop edit of like this creepy picture and you know it won that week and that's how slender man started like i was there and you know i i when was this? It was like a few months ago when someone was like, what's the, what's the story behind Slender Man?" And I told them, like, it literally came off a website and they didn't believe me and then looked it up and we're like, oh, that, that is where it started. Like, literally, like, that's where these things come from is message boards from Reddit, from, you know, 4chan or any other kind of message board site where you can just post whatever,
1: and then it's out there and anyone can find it. Exactly. And then, you know, it gets on the internet and we get, you know, art and we get stories and we eventually get videos and movies. And then, you know, some people take it too far. And it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's bonkers, but all, all this stuff that we have, um, with, with Slenderman and the rake that just comes from the internet. And actually something related to that, that Kind of irritates me, and this this is a personal pet peeve that I'm just going to let come and sit on my lap for a moment. Sure. Uh, when when people talk about scary ghost stories and things, and they talk about skinwalkers and oh. wendigos as if they're oh. cryptids, as if as yes, as if they are just like these odd cryptid creatures that are walking around the woods instead of a very important part of native american and first nation lore it's like no this is not a joke to these people this is like exactly. part of their culture these aren't cryptids they are not spooky ooky things for you to just like add to your scary stories to you know creep out your friends with you know it just it bothers me oh yeah and the, the only good karma about that is that Ghost
0: Adventures did an episode on skinwalkers treating them as if they were some kind of ghost. And mm-hmm. they went to a native lady to get more information about them. And she was like, well, if I do the ceremony and you drink this, it will aid you. And she straight up drugged them. <laughs> and they started hallucinating and, like, crying around the desert. It was... Hysterical to watch from an outside <laughs> perspective, knowing what's going on. That she was just like these morons, like just take this and have fun, kids. Like go, go run around the desert and cry. It was,
1: it was <laughs> silly white boys. See.
0: Exactly, that's exactly what it was. Is it, it was a it was a good episode that I've that's never beautiful. chuckled more at a <laughs> Adventures than that episode. And did they get uh, any evidence?
1: Of course not. You know, no, of course not, because skinwalkers aren't spirits. They're not ghosts. It's, uh, it just, it bugs me. But I do have to say, going back to what you said about how some spirits are tricksters, I wouldn't be shocked, like not at all, to find out that some woodland dwelling spirit of some kind that likes to mess with people You know, kind of cottoned on to this idea that, oh, you know, this is what people are scared of now. (laughs) Exactly. Rubs hands together.
0: But it is. Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's funny. Like, once you get the joke, it is funny. Oh, yeah. But uh, for some people, it's very serious. And they're very terrified of it. So, mm-hmm. like, on one hand, it's ha funny, but on the other hand, it is something to take seriously, and when you see people perpetuating this myth that Zozo is a dangerous demon that will possess you, like, Ugh. you have to call them out on it, because people will read that, believe it, and start perpetuating it themselves, or start to be fearful of it themselves, and it could lead mm-hmm. to some real lasting harm, like, people can get really messed up with this information, thinking, like, you know, I had someone message me saying, oh, like, it spelled out Zozo to me and I didn't know what it was. So I just carried on playing. And then years later I'm on the internet and read that this happened. And now I'm terrified that I'm haunted. Like, am I haunted? Am I in danger? And it was like, like, no, like you're fine. But that's just such a good example of why these jokes aren't really that funny, at least in this mortal realm, like in the, in the other realms, it's hysterical, but in this world, it, it's really not funny until everyone's in on the joke, kind of like Charlie Charlie or stuff like that. Like once everyone knows it's whatever, but it can be very dangerous to some people who get really shook up and disturbed by these kinds of things.
1: Exactly. And that's that's why it's so important. It's like, yeah, you can tell these stories. You can, you know, spread them around and talk about them for fun, but it's important to acknowledge that you know, that they are just for fun. And it's important to, you know, draw the line between, you know, this is just the really outlandish, creepy stuff that we talk about uh, that's, that's just for scaring each other at sleepovers versus, hey, these are the actual practices that can get you in trouble, that can, you know, get you in into danger if you're, if you're not careful. And because people are kind of blurring the line between actual, you know, spirit work related practices, and these paranormal modern legends, you know, there's, uh, there's people who aren't working safely, there's people who are, you know, just kind of opening themselves up to stuff, and Mm -hmm. not realizing where they need to kind of set their boundaries. Yeah, I
0: agree. It is important to educate about things like that, especially to people who, you know, you know, on the other hand, think that this is all a joke, and that they can't just play around with spirits, and just think that it's like a ha-ha fun game, where like, you know, you, you can wind up with a haunting. You can wind up regretting that. You can wind up psyching yourself out, you know, mentally thinking that you're being haunted all of a sudden or that you've done something wrong. You know, um, that that is like the biggest aspect of danger when it comes to things like that. Like you, you can mess up. Um, but in my area of expertise with the Ouija boards, it's very difficult to, quote unquote, mess up with Ouija boards and like people are so fearful of doing something wrong or breaking a rule or something like that. And it's it's really like very, very hard to actually cause damage. But then, you know, people go down rabbit holes and mess around with things and it could lead to something more serious in the long term.
1: Absolutely. And speaking of things that are more serious, uh, let's take a moment to talk about the alleged prevalence of demonic hauntings. Mm, okay, uh, this is where we have to kind of take a moment to identify some more key players, uh, if you will,
0: mm-hmm. in
1: the the, the 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 modern the modern mythological cycle. I guess when it comes to ghost lore, all of the information that we have that deals with 3 a.m. being the witching hour, Mm. it's not, or, (laughs) you know, the number three being a mocking of the Trinity, or, you know, people getting scratched, or, you know, certain knocking sounds or moving objects being signs of demonic hauntings, or upside down crosses or whatever, can all be traced back to Ed and Lorraine Warren.
0: Oh, absolutely. Literally Mm -hmm. all of it is is from them. Yes.
1: Yep. Basically, if there's anything you've ever heard, listeners, about demons in a haunting or a demonic haunting, it all comes from their books and their lecture tours Mm -hmm. and the associated lore that has grown out of it. Right. All their movies,
0: all of the, the internet videos I've seen about, like, Annabelle or the nun or anything like that. It, it's literally all just, I, I compare it to Gilderoy Lockhart from Harry Potter. Like, they've built their entire career on these fabulous, fantastic tales, expecting you to believe them. Um, but the thing is that today, people 1000% believe them. I had an employee at my job last year, when the last Annabelle movie came out, tell me that she was afraid to see it. Because she was afraid that a spirit would follow her home and possess one of her dolls. Like, she was, like, not kidding. Like, she was very serious about it. Because she was like, I heard that Annabelle was real. Like, so how much of this could really happen? And it was like, oh, you poor thing. Like, like look, sit down. Let me tell you a story. So, <laughs> it, it's it's very much, yeah, they stirred this pot in a big way. It's blown way out of proportion. And like, where to even begin with these two, honestly?
1: Well, I think we can begin. Uh we don't have to go like super in depth into mm-hmm. like everything they did because that that can be an entire show on its own. Oh definitely but uh I, I think we can take a moment to talk about Annabelle because that's mm-hmm. that's a really good example. So for those who don't know, Annabelle was originally this Fairly innocuous-looking Raggedy Ann doll that someone had received as a gift from her mother, and uh, then there was this whole haunting that was sur- that was surrounding the doll, and the doll allegedly moved on its own and tried to choke someone, and you know said that it was uh, possessed by the spirit of this young girl who just wanted a home. Uh, but then you know the Warrens got involved and said, no, it's not a little child; it's actually a demon. And yeah, the, the modern version of the story also holds that like the doll tried to, you know, it was like sitting at the foot of somebody's bed with a knife, mm-hmm. uh, that it actually like put one of the person's roommates in the hospital or mm-hmm. killed them. None of that happened. Uh, it's, it's just all like whisper down the lane effect with this story and so now this doll is in a glass case at the warren's little uh museum in their old house uh you know and the case is always locked there's a devil tarot card affixed to the glass and it has (laughs) a sign above it that says you know do not open under any circumstances um and, you know, they they say that she still, like, moves around in her case or she, like, changes position or you can hear her knocking on the glass or whatever. Mm-hmm. And really, it has a lot of the same hallmarks as many other, you know, evil or possessed doll stories that we hear. Um, actually, that would make a, a fun thing to chat about. Uh, oh in, yeah! In the future, because there's, I could think of like half a dozen off the top of my head.
0: Oh, we could just talk about Robert all day, honestly.
1: Oh, oh my God! <laughs> oh boy, I, I actually—I can't even talk about Robert. He's too <laughs> scary. Uh, if if you guys are interested, look up Robert Eugene Otto, the artist, and you you can learn about his uh, his haunted doll. Ooh, that's a that's a creepy <laughs> one. It and is. that that doll lives in a museum in Key West. Do not yes. take his picture without asking permission. Mhm. Yeah. So, yes, so the 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 lore surrounding Annabelle uh reads a little bit like the lore surrounding Robert the doll. And uh of course, the Warrens hyped it up for their books and their lecture tours like you do because Ed was first and foremost a salesman oh, yeah. and From i give one. him all i give him all the credit in the world for creating a brand and sorry <clears throat> for creating a brand and creating a a very sort of successful brand mm-hmm. and you know making a career out of that and for what it's worth i think that they both truly truly believed everything that they were saying mhm And I think that it was very important to them. And I think that they, in their minds, were helping. Mm, Yeah. Uh, Even though it was like, you know, oh, we're just, we're making people more aware of this sort of stuff. Or, you know, we're, uh, we're helping these families. But equally true was the fact that they made up a lot of stuff and that's where we get all this lore about mm. you know 3 a.m. and the number 3 and demonic hauntings and so on and so forth and all of this sort of stuff and it's it's just all stuff that they either embellished and they did admit uh at times that they embellished things mm-hmm. uh the Enfield poltergeist is is a very famous oh, yeah. case um, that one was nearly made up out of whole cloth they had a family who had what may have been a very minor haunting that was then completely blown out of proportion uh, by them and the media.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, members of that family have you know come out years later and said, "Yeah, nothing happened." Yeah, you know they they made all of that up, and we've been trying to get away from it for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. So, oh, and you know what
0: started that haunting? By the way, go how
1: Ouija how- boards. Oh, the, the- bringing okay. it back around.
0: Yeah, the girl that started it all, that had the worst of it, said mm-hmm. that she started playing with Ouija boards at school. And then this haunting started, so. Ta-da! Yeah, exactly. Like, of course it was. Like, what else would have started it,
1: you know? Naturally. Uh, and this is not to say that there is no such thing as a demonic haunting. You know, demons oh, can haunt places. That That is a thing that does, in fact, happen. Um, But that doesn't mean that any haunting where, you know, there's aggressive activity or things getting moved around or, you know, people getting sick or getting depressed, that doesn't mean it's a demon because, you know, human spirits can be assholes too.
0: Yes. Like, the difference between a spirit haunting and a demonic haunting is night and day. Like, it's completely different. Like, you would absolutely, without a doubt, know if you had a demon in your house, you know? In the same way that you would know if you had an angel in your house, you know? It's it's like, when you have something of that power near you, you know. And spirits only have so much power. You know, they can shove something. They can tap on a wall. They can shove you. They could even, like, gently scratch you, like, at the worst of it, you know? That's nothing to what a demonic haunting would be like in the slightest. But you know, the Warrens see that. You know, they they go to Enfield. They go out. You know, the the original. Um, oh, what's it called? The um, the Amityville I
1: just,
0: house. Amityville. I'm yeah. thinking, big movie. I just yep. blanked.
1: linked. Amityville. Um, that's that's where they got their start, really. Was, oh yeah, was that's the whole where thing they got Amityville. was mm-hmm.
0: Amityville. Amityville.
1: Um, mm-hmm. But,
0: oh, I forgot where I was going with that. But and that's um, that's but yeah, another case it, that, they would you know, we're not find, sure if it's true. Yeah. Oh, Amityville is not true. We know that 100%. <laughs> it's, it was not. Something happened in that house. It's like we're talking about. Something happened in that house that scared that family so bad that they did leave, it, abandoned that house completely after 30 days after they bought it. But what they said happened is not what happened in that house. And we have definitive proof of that. Mm-hmm. But the Warrens would actively find houses that had just ordinary spirit hauntings that are very easy to stop. You, literally, all you have to do is just be like, knock it off. And they will. And done. Like, that's at the minimum. There's other things you can do, but that's basically all you need to do. But they would find these homes and be like, oh, this is very clearly a demon. We have to do this. This we've researched it. Uh, this this old lady that lived in this house. 100 years ago who didn't ever live there is the spirit and she's angry and they would just make up these fantastical stories about all of these demon hauntings or witch stories or Native Americans who like we're buried there and we're angry or something like that. They would always have these this huge fantastical element about them that are just completely beyond belief. But because it's the Warrens, the preeminent experts on de- demons and demonic hauntings, then it must be true. It's exhausting. <laughs>
1: It really is. And a lot of their stuff sort of became these self-fulfilling prophecies. You know, they would show up to these places expecting to look for demons. And lo and behold, they would find air quotes, demons.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it was all their invention. But Mm -hmm. like you said, like, I think they really did believe it. I think, you know, part of their faith is that if, if you're dead and you're not in heaven, then you're in hell, you know. So if, if you're having spirit activity, it's from hell because obviously they aren't in heaven. So, you know, they would find a place that had slight spirit activity. And clearly that's a demon because, you know, it's not from heaven. It's not a good energy in their minds. So like, yeah, I think they really did honestly believe in the demon stuff. But I think... At the end of the day, they saw the demon stuff as dollar signs and popularity and movie deals and book deals and everything like that. So I'm sure in some aspect they believe they were helping these people, that they were getting the word out. But it's very clear, especially from Enfield, um, that they came there for profit for, for ideas to write
1: books about, to sell screenplays and movie rights for. Exactly. Exactly. And it is exhausting because there's so much that we have to unteach now. We have to go back and we have to find sources and we have to point to evidence and just be like, look, you know, before these guys came on the scene, none of this exists in the lore. None of this is cited in the literature. And the the old stuff on you know, spiritualism or, you know, ghost stories or paranormal lore as it existed before the Warrens says completely different stuff. Midnight is the witching hour. It's always been the witching hour. 3 a.m. as a scary thing did not exist until they showed up. Absolutely. Like, you can trace that from the Amityville hoax. Like, they Mm -hmm. literally made up 3 a.m.
0: from the Amityville hoax because the dad in the story... Always woke up around 3 a.m. and would have some kind of like possession or violent urge or something. And that's mm-hmm. because there were actual murders in that house that could have maybe happened around 3 a.m. It definitely happened in the nighttime.
1: Yeah, that was the assumption. But, and right. I, I get like inordinately angry about Amityville because you know sure the Lutz family probably went through something in that house whether it was a haunting or demonic possession or whatever I think quite honestly that it was just the leftover stress of living in a home where so much tragedy had occurred because they moved in like less than a year after that happened with the DeFeos getting murdered right and that's very very sad but the way that you know, that story has been capitalized upon and the way that people are making money off literally like the deaths of this family, it it just makes me angry. And it's like and not only that, you're you, like people are not only like capitalizing on this for profit, um, they're like muddying the waters of all this paranormal lore with all this stuff that they've made up. Off of mm-hmm. you know a real life case that's very, very sad, and a lot of that like they lose sight of what's important in this case and it's it's like well clearly uh Defeo had some uh some some mental illness issues, and clearly he needed help that he didn't get, and it resulted in tragedy, and that is where the story should have ended, mm-hmm. Uh, but because, you know, people are greedy, it didn't. And I'm not saying right. that I'm not saying outright that the Lutzes are, you know, making things up. I know there's not much of the family left, but I still want to respect that they had some kind of traumatic experience and have oh, yeah. continued to be traumatized by the story because people hound them about it. But I do point to, you know, the Warrens and people who you know, wrote stuff about the house and, you know, put this whole story together. And it's just like, it just, it seems cruel to capitalize on a family's tragedy and write ghost stories about it. Yeah. And the whole reason Amityville started was
0: because Lutz's lawyer, or sorry, DeFeo's lawyer Heard about the Lutzes and what happened to them and thought, oh, maybe I can get my client on a lighter mm-hmm. sentence if we can convince a judge that it was demons. So he met up with um, the Lutz family, planned out this whole story, and then tried to use this evidence in court to get his client a lighter sentence. And when the Lutzes wound up stealing like his share that they had agreed on, on the, the profit off of the book in the movie deals, he sued them, and this all came out in court, how they had completely made all of this up. So it is sad at the end of the day, um, especially for me personally, because I really believed in Amityville as a child. I saw that movie when I was maybe like nine or ten, and it terrified me. I completely believed it until like my twenties when I, you know, found documentaries about it and found it was completely false. Like from what we know from the movie and the books that was fiction you know and i felt offended i felt like hey like i had gone my whole life so far believing that this was a true demonic haunting and i was upset and it made me question you know everything that i knew about these hauntings and that's kind of how i got started on the warrens and deep dove into that but um it, it makes me think of all the people out there who are seeing the annabelle movies you know seeing seeing all of the the warrens um cinematic universe and 100% believing in it and living with that fear for their lives and 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 having fears about a Raggedy Ann doll or Ouija boards or like ghostly women and nuns and things like that it's it's it needs to be called out honestly at this point it's getting like ridiculous it's it's getting to the point where you know When I speak up about it to someone, I've had people go, oh, yeah, right. Like, why should I believe you? And it's I have facts. I have sources. I have proof. And they don't. But I'm still not believed because I don't have movie deals. I don't have speaking engagements. I don't have a museum, you know. So it's it's blown so far out of proportion. It's getting, like... Like it's I said, it's it's exhausting. It's yeah. just tiring at this point having to debunk this over and over again when it's very clearly debunkable. Mm-hmm.
1: And that I think, like you said, that is the most frustrating part of it: is trying to explain this to people and having them refute you with movies. Oh, with, yeah, with acknowledged fictional stories that, you know, just because there's a little flash of, oh, a, based on a true story, anybody can say that.
0: True. There's
1: there is no metric for that. There's no requirement for it. There's no proof that they ask for. It's literally something that they can just slap on the screen for flavor text. And, and it, it doesn't is, yeah. matter, you know, what true story they're basing it on. Like with The Exorcist, it could be something that's completely different from what they're portraying on the screen. Mm-hmm. But You know, because there was some small grain of truth once upon a time that may have inspired this story, uh, you know, people then automatically assume that everything that's on the screen is true and it's not. And it is a bit of a slap when you, you know, you present them with, you know, here's the historical record. Here's the... You know, this, the science, here's the history of the Ouija board, here's, mm-hmm. you know, a, a a description of the Troxler effect, which is the the name for the thing that distorts your face when you look in the mirror for too long. Mm-hmm. But they go, oh, but I saw this movie, and they said, and it's like, you watched a movie. Right, exactly. Like,
0: <laughs> no. science is more of a... Of- evidence than a movie like honestly just because you can't sit down in a theater with popcorn and watch science and it's not entertaining that doesn't mean that movies are more valid proof
1: exactly but right. i saw on ghost adventures that that's still okay. pseudoscience honey
0: exactly that's entertainment <laughs> yeah Complete entertainment they're there to you know it's the travel channel they're there to sell mm-hmm. tourism and scary stories they're not there to be you know T- making a documentary about the truth and Ghost Adventures is really sad to me because they really did start off as that. They started off as bros who wanted to prove ghosts for real, and they put out a great documentary that was just called Ghost Adventures, which is what got them optioned for a TV show. That was genuinely like deeply interesting, and you could really tell that they really, really just wanted to get evidence, and they did, and they got some fantastic evidence actually. That if if it's fake. I applaud them because it's stellar but um the the brick scene is what I'm talking about the very famous brick scene. oh god yes
1: that scared the pants off me the first time I saw it
0: it's very it's very real there's there's only been a handful of times that I've seen video evidence and been like yeah that could very well be real and the brick scene is one of them Mm -hmm. but then I feel like they got very much eaten up in the rush of You know, making money, and we need to get another season, and this episode needs to be our season finale. So, can you make something really spooky or stuff like that? And it's become not what it was when it started off. And it's Mm -hmm. very much just fear mongering, spooky, scary stories, which there's nothing wrong with that, honestly. But it's when they convince people that this is 100% true, and people believe it, and they're genuinely terrified
1: then it becomes a problem. We'll be back with more Hex Positive after this brief sponsored break. Since we're all heartily fed up with Amazon right about now, I've decided to open a small online witch shop on my WordPress. You can pick up copies of Grove Daughter Witchery, The Sisters Grimoire, and Pestlework. Or shop for witchy goodies like Banishing Powder, Witch Web Kits, and Witchy Buttons. You might even get a special surprise or two with your order. Go to breenickarren.wordpress.com shop to place your order today. This episode is brought to you by Portland Button Works. Do you like buttons? Of course you do. Have you ever had a great idea for one, but just been like, darn it, if only I had the resources and equipment! Well, fret no more. Portland ButtonWorks is just what you need. Portland ButtonWorks creates custom pinback buttons in four different sizes, plus magnets, hand mirrors, and bottle openers. Download their templates and create your own designs, or use their Design-O-Matic for quick formatting. You can order just a few custom items for yourself or as gifts, or order in bulk for merch, table sales, or your own shop. And they are wick. The turnaround time for properly formatted submissions is one to three business days for most orders under 1,000 pieces. That is lightning fast. I've been getting buttons from Portland Button Works for years, and their quality is always top of the line. Ever wonder where the hex positive buttons came from? Well, now you know. And once you're done making your buttons, make sure you visit the PBW Witch Shop for a thoughtfully curated selection of witchcraft, magic, and occult-related zines. They've got books, buttons, tarot cards, and more. The collection has a refreshing emphasis on magic that relates to traditional and folkloric witchcraft, chaos magic, secular witchcraft, magical plants and herbs, queer witchcraft, politics and social justice witchcraft, and other non-Wiccan magic. There's a good chance they have exactly what you're looking for. Visit the main Buttonworks at portlandbuttonworks.com and check out the Witch Shop and Zine Distro at pbwwitchshop.com. Help support small business and get your buttons from Portland Buttonworks. Fighting fascism one button at a time since 2012. And now, back to the show. Yeah. And it's also, you know, people see their way of dealing with spirits and think that that's how you deal with ghosts. And oh, no, this. no, 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 absolutely not. Um, I personally, I find it very convenient that, you know, every place they go for their investigations, they always get this great evidence or, you yeah. know, so much of, of what they're. Uh, saying is evidence in the show is just based on feelings, and it's like mm, this is all very hard to prove. But I believe that you're feeling things, but that's not quantifiable now, is it? Oh right, yeah. I had the so, pleasure
0: of going to
1: Preston Castle,
0: where Ghost Adventures ooh. filmed an episode to do a ghost investigation. I went with a lovely team that was here in the Bay Area, and they had me on as like their their psychic medium, which was it was so much fun, honestly. But The docents and the tour guides went on about Ghost Adventures and how they are not allowed back under any circumstance. And they asked to come back for a special and they turned them down because they talked to, you know, people that talked to the spirits there, the spirits were telling them how absolutely terrified they were of the Ghost Adventures crew. And how oh scared goodness. because because these men ran down the hallways of this old abandoned school yelling and screaming at spirits to yeah. the point where some of their more famous spirits are just gone like they left oh. after Ghost Adventures because they were so terrified of these people and um one of the huge plots of that episode was that a woman was murdered on that school campus it was like a reformatory school for for like rough and rowdy troublesome boys and a nurse died on the property. And Zach Bagans went into the room. The apartment that she lived in was possessed by her. But when you go there, they tell you that not only did, like, we not know how she died, she did not die on the campus. She worked there briefly. She did not have an apartment there. And her spirit had never been contacted by any medium or ghost investigation crew whatsoever. So it's like, how how did Zach managed to get into her apartment and become possessed by her when she, her spirits never been documented in this place. And she didn't have an apartment there. So it's like, that was for the shock value. That was because Zach's a great actor. He's Mm -hmm. very entertaining to watch. He's very funny when he's comedic. He's very, he has great reactions to things. And they, they needed, they didn't get any evidence on that episode. They got barn owl noises. Um, They got spooky feelings and then they got the quote unquote possession. So they had to do Mm -hmm. something or else that episode was a bust, you know? So they just threw that in there to make it more exciting at the end of the episode. That's literally how that happens. And now that site has that hovering over it constantly that someone was possessed by a spirit there,
1: which, which only adds to, you know, the lore and the misinformation that gets bandied about. It, it, the thing that bothers me most apart from, you know, sure, lots of things will make stuff up for theatrical value or entertainment value or, or what have you. Um, what bothers me is the provocation that they're like, mm-hmm. we all use this provocation. And I'm standing, I'm sitting there watching it like, you're just being rude.
0: Absolutely. I always would say to you, treat spirits respond?
1: like living if people. Someone- yeah, like would like, you respond if someone talked to you that way? Of course absolutely. you wouldn't. Like it's ridiculous.
0: It would be like if you were just minding your own business and someone came in running and screaming, like you would leave. Like yeah, you would you would not make eye contact with that person, you know? It's it's stuff like that. Like just angrily demanding that they do something that's ridiculous. But if you go in with like a hi, how are you? How is your day? then spirits are far more likely to communicate back with you. It's the the whole provocation thing is ridiculous. I only say because there are circumstances where I feel like it's okay to provoke and that's only when the spirit provokes first. If they are threatening you or antagonizing you or being incredibly rude, I have no problem with you being rude back to them and letting them know their place and that They do not exist in this realm. This is not their world. This is our world. And you do not get to treat us like that. And just affirm your place, you know. And then it's fine. But just going in guns a-blazing into, like, a haunted location is the worst possible thing you could do, honestly. You're not going to get anything. And if you do, it's it's not going to be, like... The life changing thing. You're probably going to maybe pick up like an EVP of someone being
1: like, stop it. <laughs> like, like, leave us alone. Go away, you know. Or you might get a brick thrown at you.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The more I watched the show, the more I like really wasn't shocked that things were getting thrown. Cause so I was like, you know, I'd, I'd throw a brick at you if you were being this rude to me. I'm not sure if it was, was them or some other team that went to uh, Mary King's Close. Um, and went to the vault where there was supposed to be like a little girl spirit and people would like leave toys for her. Mm-hmm. And they decided in order to try and bring this spirit out that they were going to like take some of the toys and burn them or something. Oh my gosh. I I got so angry watching that. I that's was just cool. like, why would you even do that? That That's not going to do anything except make, except make this little kid spirit very, very sad. Right. I mean it it just the the way that the people on these shows seem to treat spirits is either like they're performing animals mm, or right. or like they're like mindless babies they either baby talk to them or they yell and scream at them. And it's like, you know, you can just talk to them like they're normal human beings because they were once. And that yeah. means they're deserving of a little bit of respect and civility for crying out yeah,
0: loud. Especially since that's their home or that's where
1: they're staying yeah.
0: temporarily, you know. Mm-hmm. You're going onto their property. And, like, this is our realm But that's their spot, you know, that's where they've chosen to chill out for whatever reason and disrespecting it is the same as if, you know, someone walked into your home and started disrespecting your home for no reason like, you know, courtesy goes a long
1: way, especially with spirits. Absolutely. Well, speaking of of uh, courtesy and spirits and getting involved with them, that brings me to my uh, my last point here. That I know a bunch of witches are gonna want to hear you talk about. There is a belief that circulates in the witchcraft community, uh, which, which spans across a number of different uh, religions and spiritual practices and traditions and stuff mm-hmm. uh, that doing witchcraft or becoming a witch regardless of whether you engage in spirit work directly is something that will attract spirits or demons or ghosts to you what are your thoughts on that idea well first of all it won't attract demons
0: unless you're trying to actively summon a demon for one thing um Ghosts you can't attract. Ghosts just haunt a place, and that's where they are. So you, you can't really draw ghosts toward you or anything like that. Spirits, it's kind of a maybe yes, maybe no situation. Um, If you're not actively trying to summon spirits, if you're not actively trying to speak with them or work with them, and you're just doing your craft most of the time they're just going to leave you alone just like how they leave you alone if you're living your everyday ordinary life um I think it will pique their interest in some aspects and maybe you might get a brave spirit try to reach out to you every once in a while but it's not like they're trying to haunt you it's not like they're trying to scare you they're just saying like oh hello you know but um definitely like the only way that you can really like quote-unquote attract spirits or make themselves known to you is if you reach out to them first because they're already here they're already all around us they're they're not reaching out to us at any given time unless you reach out first and they know that you're interested so i feel like there are some which aspects that could pique their interest slightly but it won't really do much unless you
1: deliberately try to reach out to them Fair enough. So just being a witch doesn't mean that you're suddenly going to be, you know, inundated with ghosts. It doesn't mean your house is suddenly going to become haunted uh, if you don't put up the requisite number of protections. It's just, Mm -hmm. hey, yeah, this stuff's already there. And if you choose to seek it out, you know, maybe they'll be more inclined to answer. But it doesn't mean that, you know, you're in danger or anything.
0: Right. Yeah. Picking up a new hobby or skill does not attract spirits like if you replace Mm -hmm. witchcraft with like like, carpentry or scrapbooking (laughs) and then that sentence becomes ridiculous you know but if you say witchcraft oh you know that's spooky and mysterious and we don't know a lot about it but Mm -hmm. like we do know a lot about it it's it's just just because it's spooky to the general public doesn't mean that it's actually spooky and scary or evil or anything like that it's just because you know there's this you know mindset in the public frame thanks to the warrens thanks to you know tv shows and movies and books about witches that they are a certain way and this is what they're like and they can like float and shoot lightning and all of things like that um i wish i know wouldn't that be great <laughs> man i remember watching be magic the first time and being like oh yes this looks great and then like slowly realizing like oh that <laughs> <man>. <laughs> but um yeah yeah it's it's all it's all a big hullabaloo really you know mm-hmm. it's it's just public perception of what witchcraft is and um as a witch the more you believe that the the worse off you're gonna be it's it's very much like listen to your gut instinct if if you hear something that sounds ridiculous it probably is do your research do your research do your research on everything you do, because there is so much stereotypes and just negative aspects out there floating around. I mean, coming back to Ouija boards and things like that. I've had people come to me saying, well, my parents were practicing witches and I've been a witch for 20 years. And I was always taught that Ouija boards were evil. And it's like, well, it's probably because your parents grew up in the 70s. When yep. The Exorcist came out, and they saw that and believed it, and incorporated that into their beliefs without doing any kind of research, and and then they get all offended and mad. But it, it always, <laughs> it's like, like, just because you were taught that doesn't mean it's true. Oh yeah, like when we got my Ouija board when I was twelve, my mom forced me to watch The Exorcist as like a cautionary tale because she didn't believe that that would happen, <laughs> but she believed that you know, I should at least know the basic dangers and what not to do. And she used that as like, I think what she really did was she used that to see if I actually wanted to play it or not, but it just made me want to play it even more, honestly. So I think that rebounded. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's a whole generation out That's there so people that grew up with the Exorcist that believed that Ouija boards were evil and demonic summoning portals. Mm -hmm. And they've taught that to their kids, you know, half the time people say, well, I don't mess with them because my dad's uncle's friend's neighbor played a Ouija board and then died in a car crash a year later. And it's like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Like, really? Like, woo. Or Mm -hmm. my favorite is when, oh, my, my mom played the Ouija board as a teenager and it really worked and it spelled out her name. So they burned the board. And I'm like, Okay, like, and and that's why you're not playing it. That sounds like why you should play it. Like that sounds awesome. Like it worked. Congratulations, your bomb should have been thrilled, not spooked. It did exactly as advertised. Yep. So it, it's it's all about that that public perception of what we do. Honestly, it's yeah. it's all about you know it's something I deal with every Halloween around this time of year when I go all out on the thirty first and people look at me like, so what are you dressed up as? And I go. I am just myself like this is how I want to look every day of the year but I don't want to scare people you know I don't want to freak people out walking around with you know my cape and a broom and my boots and everything
1: Um, and your best
0: hat oh of course you've got to have (laughs) that it's iconic but um yeah absolutely like what you think you might know about spirits set that aside do your research, think logically. I mean, I know it's hard to think logically about ghosts and spirits because it's the paranormal. I always say that there's science and there's the paranormal and paranormal are things you cannot prove with science. So, you know, it's really hard to say this is true about the paranormal because we can't prove it. You can't scientifically prove that that's how it works. But there is common sense when it comes to things like that. You know, do you really believe that a $25 piece of cardboard you can buy at Target is going to summon an evil demon into your house? Like, think for a second. Like, how it, would that be possible? It's it's all, yeah, it's it's very messy, honestly. It's, it's tiresome. But, you know, someone's got to do it. Someone's got to step up and teach these children, as I say. Um, just, like... <laughs> Tell people, look, like, just apply a shred of logic to this and really think about it. And that's a good thing to apply to your craft as well. Really think, you know, is this thing that I believe part of some movie that came mm-hmm. out a while ago? Is it from Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Is it from, you know, an internet game or something like that? Or does it actually have factual basis to it does it have any kind of logical basis can it be explained with science like is it even a thing that actually happens or was it some medieval belief that's just carried through the ages even though it's been widely disproven it's always important to do your research like i say i can't really stress it enough please research any kind of belief you may have about witchcraft because there's so many wrong things out there there's so many misconceptions There's so many, you know, wildly blown up stories that it's
1: always important to know what's what. Absolutely. And like you said, it's important to separate, you know, what we believe as far as, you know, what we've experienced versus what we've encountered in media versus what we have had passed down to us as, you know, old superstition or leftover uh, satanic panic propaganda, mm-hmm. or just things that have entered the public consciousness because of you know a handful of people whose names we know. You know, the the way I like to tell it to people is you're only attracting spirits if you're actively summoning them. Mm-hmm. And simple things like reading tarot, using a pendulum, using a Ouija board, casting spells, even like slinging hexes, that doesn't attract ghosts. No. Being a being a witch doesn't turn you into a beacon, uh, and it doesn't automatically make you more psychically sensitive either. It just increases mm-hmm. the likelihood that you're going to find yourself in a situation where there's a possibility of interacting with the spirit world. Oh
0: yeah, like this time of year around Samhain, this is what it's all about. You know, it's the 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 main attraction of this year is like the dead and remembrance, and then having fun and talking to spirits and doing divination spells and all the things like that it's just kind of part of what we do it's it's not something that you have to do but it's definitely part of the overall culture of what we do so eventually you are going to come across some kind of spirit stuff there's no getting around that but just because you're doing that doesn't
1: mean you're going to wind up with an amityville you know exactly exactly well, it's been super fun talking shop with you, Jen, but we're going to wrap this up for right now. Uh, thank you again for joining me in the virtual studio today. Real quick before we go, just let the people know where they can find you on the Internet. Sure. I'm at the OuijaGirl.tumblr.com.
0: I also have a Twitter account, which is also at the OuijaGirl, all one word. Feel free to shoot me an ask anytime. I get all kinds of asks, as you can see, if you visit my blog Uh, But I absolutely am here for any kind of paranormal advice.
1: Awesome. Listeners, make sure you follow Jen. Find her social media. Show her some love. She's absolutely brilliant. I have have yet to see you, like, answer a question that it didn't have me, like, nodding my head and going, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep, that, absolutely. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so definitely go follow her. If you're feeling generous, uh, take a moment to rate and review Hex Positive on your favorite podcatcher so we can share all this spooky seasonal goodness with the world. Stay tuned for lots more Halloween fun all through the month. Until next time, I'm Brenna Garan, reminding you to stay safe, wear your mask, and... Ah! Hex Positive is a proud member of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. Check out everything they have to offer, including our sibling podcast, BS Free Witchcraft, over at nerdandtie.com. Intro and outro music by Kevin McLeod. For all the latest updates, follow at hex underscore podcast on Twitter. You can also follow me at at on Twitter and Instagram. For more information on my books, you can check out my WordPress and my Amazon author page. and if you'd like to support the show, please visit patreon.com/branaran. Stay safe, wash your hands, and remember, always practice safe hex.